Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to episode 206 uh, with no guest. Today we're just going to be reading uh, emails and surveys. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace recently launched the latest version of their platform, Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, uh, integrations with Getty Images and Google Google Apps, 15 new templates, and an incredible feature called Cover Pages. So try the new Squarespace with a free trial at squarespace.com and enter offer code MENTAL at checkout. To Not MENTAL at checkout, MENTAL uh, when you check out to get 10% off. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. It's not a doctor's office. I'm not a therapist. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. Uh, the website for this show is mentalpod.com. It's also the Twitter handle you can follow me at. Go there and check it out. You can read uh, blogs by me, blogs uh, by guests uh, that we've had write for us. You can post in the forum. You can take surveys. You can see how other people responded to surveys. You can um, support us financially. You can shop through our Amazon portal, and that uh, contributes money to uh, to uh our our thing, our crazy thing that we do here, and um, a new thread in the forum, Ask a Mental Health Professional. So far, we've got about seven uh, mental health professionals, uh, therapists, and social workers who are lending 
their services and to just keep in mind that they're busy and they have full schedules so um, they may not be able to answer your question immediately but um, they're um, go check it out because each one has a little description of what they kind of specialize in and uh, yeah I, I hope you you hide it find it find it helpful I'm trying to take my shirt off as I'm uh, as I'm broadcasting and uh, it's not going too well can't really multitask. Uh, anyway, I thank you so much for your uh, outpouring of support and concern over um, my mood, uh, which I was honest about in last week's episode, the uh, Ian Gatoski uh, episode. And um, it, it, it was, um, Ian and I had recorded that episode just a couple of days before it aired. So it, it was what I was actually feeling roughly around that time i am happy to report that um how do i, how do I phrase this delicately i'm pooping um which certainly helped my mood and i think my meds my new meds are starting to work um my doctor added uh, some abilify to my cocktail of uh, of other meds and that seems to be helping i played guitar for the first time in Two years, almost, um, last night and the, and the night before, and it feels really, really good. So I'm very hopeful, but thank you for your uh, your support and your uh, your concern, and go fuck yourself. Uh, it just seemed like I was getting a little too nice there, and I had to take you down a peg, because you're getting a little full of yourself. Let's be honest. You're a little full of yourself. Um, I had this idea, and maybe it's crazy, you know... I'm a hugger. I love getting hugs. And there are times during the day when I just am absolutely craving a hug. And I know I'm not the only one that's like that. And I was thinking, what, isn't there like some kind of little festival or get together we could do in a city and call it Hug Fest? And it would just be, maybe this sounds cheesy as, as, as hell, but you know, just Groups of us going out and getting coffee and sharing and having and just hugs and maybe everybody could be issued like a uh, either a, a badge of three different colors of your choosing red which means don't hug me I'm just kind of here to check it out yellow which means ask before you hug me or green which means bring it on bring it on bitches let's fucking hug it out. I don't know, hug fest. I want you to think about it. Because as I was thinking about it, I was like, I would be so excited to go to a place where I just knew I was going to get hugs all weekend. So I know I, I know I can't be the only one, but I do know people that don't like to hug. My wife is not a hugger. She likes hugging me. Who doesn't like hugging me, huh? Ugh. <laughs> right. If... This is the uh, January, this will air on January 2nd, but I'm recording this the night of January 1st. Um, I don't know why I felt compelled to mention that. Um, but if, for those of you that were not watching the news last year, I just want to catch you up on what you missed. Um, just six big kind of news items. Um Probably the biggest one is uh, Bill Cosby's defenders uh, have not yet been raped by him. Um, armed white men are still afraid of unarmed black men. Uh, the rich are still blaming the poor. 
the ice caps are gone, but the Kardashians are still here. Uh, Texans are still uncomfortable with gay thoughts. And both parties are still sucking the dick of Wall Street. My God, somebody does what I've been doing. There's shame. You have boundary issues. I feel guilty for hating my mom. I will be high by 4 p.m. You feel helpless. I will be in hell by 4.15. Prison was not easy, but I deserved it. I think I'm just addicted to lying. I rubbed my body in mud and I laid in the swamp. Didn't move for six hours. I looked forward to and dreaded each meal at the same time. I think I desperately, desperately wanted to talk about it, but I didn't know how to start the conversation. And that's when I, I called the suicide hotline. A good Craigslist experience is if you are alive at the end of it. So, <laughs> so... That is when I first felt love, like I first felt reaching out to the people and sharing with the other people. Um, this intimate connection where people do stuff for each other without wanting something in return. Yeah, I just, I surrender. And I think I was 28 and that was the first time I ever experienced that and it was amazing. Well, I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed our new opening montage. Uh, what I wanted to say. I don't know, let's get to some surveys. Yeah, I knew I needed to go on meds a month month or so ago because I was just getting... I was starting to look at Anna Wintour and say, I hope I can be that happy someday. That's when I knew. I love an Anna Wintour reference. That was always a badge of your masculinity when you reference Anna Wintour. Um, And pronounce it Wintour. This is a struggle in a sentence, and I may be biting off way more than I can chew here with the stack of surveys I have. They are up to my nose. So uh, hold on. Go fix yourself a little tea. This is struggle in a sentence filled out by um, a woman who calls herself Sunflowers. About her anorexia, she writes, I broke the hungry switch in my body. Now I have to remind myself to eat when I start to get dizzy and weak. About her sex addiction, Fuck that empty feeling out of me. Fill the hollowness. You know the drill. About her OCD, I'm so ashamed. Am I making this up in my head? I won't do it. Something is poking a neuron in my brain, egging me on. Don't do it. Don't do it. I did it. I'm ashamed. And about uh, borderline personality disorder, the world of people is a needle dragging on my sunburned skin. I don't feel like I have a soul. Wow. Very, very articulate. Thank you for that. Um, Dare I even say poetic? This is a shame and secret survey filled out by Kate. She is bisexual in her 20s, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Yes, and I never reported it. My first sexual experience was at the age of 14, and I didn't know it was assault until my early 20s. It really paved the way for my future sexual experiences. I've frequently just frozen and been unable to say no when I wanted to. Ever been emotionally abused? Yes. Uh, I didn't know until recently that my parents made life much harder for me. I have borderline personality disorder, and a lot of their treatment caused that. Any positive experiences with your abusers? There's no point telling my parents what they did to me. They wouldn't accept or believe it. My mother is still so critical, and whenever I talk to her, she makes me feel humiliated, and I get in a rage. I then feel guilty for being angry at her. Wow, I can't imagine how many people 
are nodding their heads and saying, me too. Oh my God, me too. Um, yeah. Darkest thoughts. I've spent most of my adult life wishing I could disappear. Darkest secrets. I'm borderline, so my entire life is pretty much a secret from everybody. Um, sexual fan. And I would suggest that you have borderline personality disorder and you are not borderline because it's not the totality of, of who you are. Um, sexual fantasy is most powerful uh, to you. I like rough sex and I like to be submissive. I love it with a partner I trust, but when I'm single and sleeping around, it gets me into situations I don't like. Anything you'd like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I wish I could fix things between me and all the people I've pushed away in my life. Um, what do you wish for? I hope I can get my disorder under control. I wish I wasn't so angry and so emotional all the time. I wish I knew who I was. I think uh, DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, would be a great way to help get uh, your emotions uh I don't know if in check is the right word, but uh, a, a way to be able to live with your intense, intense emotions, which is the hallmark of borderline personality disorder um, and and fear of abandonment. So anyway, um, thank you for thank you for sharing that. This is from a guy who calls himself uh, not the man I used to be. Hi, nice to meet you again for the first time. And uh, I'm just going to read some excerpts of his um, darkest secrets. Um, oh, and he is in his 40s. He's straight, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Darkest secrets. Ah, oh, man, this is going to suck. Is not another living soul knows this about me. That That is like one of my favorite things to read when I'm reading a survey. I love the, the stuff that people have never shared with anybody else. Anyways, um... My marriage has been spiraling downward for some time and is now, by and large, sexless and has been for some time. My wife is a good person who, despite any natural human urges and her opportunities, would never cheat. She's physically beautiful, smart, talented, and fundamentally a good person and a great mom, but we've simply grown apart, which is simply a way to preface that I've had affairs. They were not so much about getting sex, but the high of someone wanting slash lusting for you raw and sincerely as opposed to the okay let's get this over with sex i've been getting at home invariably these affairs are impossible to maintain so eventually i turned to the occasional sex worker i had a regular girl for a while who was paying her way through grad school by working in the sex trade she was pretty intelligent clean and as i was paying for it i could be selfish make it all about me and she was good at making it a positive experience for me not just sex, but listening, commiserating, hugs and snuggles and compliments. Whether it was sincere, sincere or if she was simply that good of an actress, I don't know. But regardless, it worked for me. She must have finished school as her number no longer works and I've taken to seeing a uh, new girl. In the meantime, I've had a few sessions to relieve the buildup. And he puts in parentheses, fuck, that sounds horrible. But these sessions are not nearly as fulfilling and leave me feeling cheap, dirty, etc. afterwards. What's worst is that at the core, I believe in monogamy. If I was with the person who loved me for me, but I'm not in that relationship now. I've asked my wife to go to therapy years ago, consistently, but it wasn't until I asked for a divorce last year that she finally agreed to. It was beneficial insofar as improving our cohabitating, co-parenting roommate relationship, but the magic is gone. Too little, too late. 
So I think I'm going to put my foot down and finally ask for that divorce after Christmas. There's more to the story, but perhaps best save for another survey or something. I think I've rambled. Well, thank you for thank you for sharing that, and um, I uh, I think everybody deserves to be in a relationship that that feels. Oh, let's read his sexual fantasies. I want to read these because they're so specific, which I I am always. Um, well, let's be honest. I like reading people's sexual fantasies. Uh, no need to qualify that. He writes, uh, I uh, I have a serious kink for a woman in Lululemon pants. I don't even know what Lulu. Uh, Lulu must be a specific color of... of uh, I don't know what the fuck Lululemon pants are. Anyways, in Lululemon pants, spandex, yoga pants, pantyhose, slash tights, slash nylons, the kind that are skin tight and cover from legs to belly button-ish. Something about what you can see and what's left to imagine. My fantasy is to get head from a woman wearing something like that. 69-ish angle. Is he going so far as to say it could be a 70? Which is basically a 69 where one of you has your thumb in your ass. Uh, so I can rub my hands all over her ass, legs, and crotch as she sucks my cock. Then I rip a hole in the crotch and the fun gets more diverse. Aside from that, I'm pretty vanilla. I was once told that uh, maybe a side effect of me growing up without internet porn and having to masturbate my way through puberty um, to the underwear section of Sears catalog. Makes perfect sense to me and I'm cool with it. Yeah, you know, who doesn't matter what it is that gets us off. Uh, or where it comes from, although I'm endlessly fascinated by it. This is an email I got that uh, that uh, says, Hi, how are you doing? My name is Grace. Please, I will be happy if you will reply me in my email address so that we will chart more about us. Thank you, and God bless you. Well, I am intrigued by this, and I don't know how I will reply in her email. Is that code? Does she want me to blow a load in her email address? I don't know. Grace, you you sound like you're putting some pretty heavy uh, subliminal text into this very nice and inviting email. You sound extremely friendly. Um, and I love to chart with people. I love getting together, getting a compass and a, uh, some other type of geometric device that is failing me at this moment. But... I'm going to have to look into this, Grace, because um, I'm assuming that, that, that this is something that I can bring my wife with because there's nothing she and I enjoy more than a sketchy encounter with somebody grappling with the language. This is an email I got. Um, it's a correspondence I had with a, a listener named Jan, and uh, I posted this as a guest blog of hers on the website, and I I want to read it because I think it's I just think it's so powerful. Um, and this is you know obviously that last one was a was a joke. This is not a joke. And she writes. Um, I had an abortion four weeks ago. It's hard to describe how I feel about it. I don't think there are many emotions in the human vocabulary I haven't felt between the time I began to fear that I was pregnant to the present moment. I had the wonderful fortune of a loving and open-minded boyfriend, immediate family, and close girlfriends who supported my decision to terminate the pregnancy, and yet I feel totally alone. 
Statistically, I know that one out of three American women has an abortion in her lifetime, and yet no one speaks about it. I have a history of anxiety and depression and an extreme sensitivity to hormones, so the entire process has leveled me physically and emotionally. Listening to your podcast with Jillian, I'm sorry, Gillian Callahan, Sasha Ray, and Cheryl Klein were extremely helpful, despite the fact that they had miscarriages rather than abortions, and I'm so grateful to you for recording those podcasts. If you've had a guest who has spoken about abortion, forgive my ignorance. I hardly know where to begin, but perhaps it would be most efficient to name some of the emotions and thoughts attached to them. Terror, that if I had a baby, my life would be ruined, that my boyfriend of only a few months uh, would abandon me to raise a child on my own, and I would be trapped in my dead-end job indefinitely and doomed to live in poverty for the rest of my life. Fear that I would suffer so badly from postpartum depression that I would be physically and mentally incapable of caring for a baby if I gave birth. Bewilderment uh, that I would be bewilderment that I became pregnant so easily that it didn't occur to me to be more responsible in attempting to prevent the pregnancy. Disgust with the way pregnancy hormones made me feel and with the very smell of food. I lost 10 pounds in the four weeks I was pregnant. Disconnection from my body, which began to go through changes I didn't like and wasn't prepared for. Rage at anyone who might feel justified in judging me or forcing me to give birth to a child I didn't want. Anxiety that a protester might attack me physically on the way into the abortion clinic. Paranoia of being, quote, outed as having had an abortion and rejected by my extended family and the people I work with. Nervousness over having a medical procedure that is stigmatized and shrouded in mystery. Sadness over the fetus whose life I had terminated. Obsessive hypochondria inspired by the strange symptoms the resulting hormonal imbalance caused and continues to cause, like dizziness, migraines, nausea, shortness of breath, nerve pain, muscle spasms, and fatigue. Relief at finding the actual procedure was quick and simple. Disbelief that it was really over and that I no longer had anything to fear or dread. Worry that I'd gotten off too easily and that some unforeseen punishment still awaited me. Guilt that I had deprived my parents of a grandchild. Happiness that I had gotten my future back. Gratitude to the women who work at the abortion clinic for their kindness and bravery. Pride as a feminist, feminist that I had taken advantage of my right to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. It certainly isn't everything I have to say, but it's probably enough. You and your podcast are a wonderful comfort to me. Thank you so much. Jan, that is... I'm just... Um, I'm so grateful for listeners like you who are able to just burrow deep down into your soul and articulate it in a way that those of us who've never experienced it or those of us who have and want to feel that we're not alone can experience. So thank you so much for that. Um, as you know, I like to pepper some uh, humorous moments throughout the uh, the podcast. And um, I don't know if I've ever shared this one or not, but I love a good awful some moment. And this one happened to my friend um, Jim Buck. And Jim was at his father's funeral, and Jim had a little boy at that time. And so they're at the wake, and uh, Jim's little boy says to him in a very loud voice that everyone can hear, Dad, what's in the box? And you can, you know, the place just falls silent. And Jim, you know, leans down and whispers to his, his son. And there's a pause. And then you hear his kid say again, very loudly, when's he coming out? 
at which point everybody laughed. And that may be one of the best awfulsome moments I've ever heard. This is a uh, struggle in a sentence filled out by a, a woman who calls herself La Via, and she is straight and in her 60s. And her uh, struggle is a serious health issue. It's called Sogren's Syndrome. I think I'm pronouncing that. S-J-O-G-R-E-N. Sjogren's. Or, I, I think it's Sogren's. I think the J is silent. Um... It's an autoimmune disorder. And she writes, Sogren's attacks the exocrine moisture production system. Hallmarks include dry eye, dry mouth, fatigue, and generalized pain. I often drag myself through the day, counting the minutes until I can go home and lay down again. It can impact all kinds of things. But for me right now, the fatigue is keeping me from being as active as I'd like to be and living the life I want to live. Sending you some love. That sounds like a, a real fucking handful. Um... This is from, this is a shame and secret survey filled out by a transgender female uh, who calls herself uh, Diana. And um, let's see, Diana is pansexual in her 40s, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. And then she puts in in parentheses, don't worry, I'm in therapy. Um, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Uh, I think a scoutmaster... Uh, some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. I think a scoutmaster kind of, sort of molested me. As I grow and learn more about the world, I realize that this guy likely had a foot fetish. Are you sure you're not thinking of the movie Moonrise Kingdom? Uh, he had me convinced that he was looking at and feeling my foot to learn more about foot and ankle bone structure. I was always on my stomach, and he was behind me, so I have no clue what he was doing. Amazing what you will believe as a dumb kid. I would just say as a kid. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why that. Just, I felt the need to defend children. Uh, he also hypnotized me once in a while. No clue uh, what if anything happened during those periods. Uh, that definitely sounds like this dude was getting off on something. Um He's been emotionally abused, uh, lots of verbal and emotional abuse growing up from both mom and dad. Sometimes there was physical abuse as well, corporal punishment. Any positive experiences with your abusers? I love my mother and I know she tried her best with what she had. My father, not so much. Darkest thoughts. Sometimes I worry I'm not actually trans. I worry that I grew up so fucked up that I am transitioning for the wrong reasons. I can't imagine how that, how, what a mind fuck that must be uh, on a given day. Uh, darkest secrets when I was younger I would habitually steal cash from family members um, sexual fantasies most powerful to you all my fantasies involve me as a completely transitioned woman being fucked and loved by a good man sharing that makes me feel like it somewhat legitimizes my transition to which I would say you don't have to legitimize your transition to anybody to anybody and um you know, just remember everything's on a continuum and everything is, is fluid in some way or another. You know, I found myself the other day debating in my mind, and I consider myself straight, but I was debating in my mind about which Blackhawk, um, the, my hockey team that I like in the NHL, which of their players is the sexiest. And then for a second I was like, wow, that's that sounds pretty... Uh, pretty gay and then I was like so what so what 
you know. But I think there's that part in us that 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 where we just we want to know that we want to know that we are securely in whatever box it is. Um, I don't want to say which one I think it is. It's the sexiest of the Blackhawks. Oh, I'm feeling very self-conscious right now. Feeling very self-conscious. I cannot. Pre- I cannot practice what I preach. I cannot practice what I preach. I can sometimes, but right now I'm feeling. Um, I don't know. I'm afraid I'm going to be made fun of. And I think that's why I wanted to to, to say that. And it's not that I want to. I don't have sexual fantasies about about men, um, but. I do appreciate their beauty, and uh, and I think that's totally normal, and that I'm okay with. Um, it's a it's a progress, I guess. You know, becoming comfortable with uh, all the I don't know. I just bored myself. I just literally bored myself into a coma. You couldn't hear it, but a bunch of EMTs came in and they hooked some tubes up to me. They shocked my heart back, and uh, and here I am. Is there anything else from her? Uh, I do. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish to have my body and the way I present myself to the world match what I feel in my head and in my heart. Uh, I'm going to read, um, those of you in the trans community or really the LGBT community, and hopefully wider than, than, than that, are aware of a tragedy that happened yesterday, um, or maybe it was the day before, with a uh, young trans teenager named Leela Alcorn, uh, who took her life, and she left a very, very heartbreaking, poetically beautiful um, note before she took her life and I'm going to read that uh, later on in the podcast towards the towards the end of the podcast so I think that will um, speak for a lot of the stuff that I want to say right here um, about uh, Diana uh, have you shared these things with others my wife is aware of my sexual fantasies back when we used to have a sex life she would periodically help fulfill them to the best of her ability Uh, How do you feel after writing these things down? I feel somewhat unburdened. Not a cathartic cleansing of any sort, but every little bit helps. Um, Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Follow your heart and you will be happy. I ignored mine for 40 years and I finally feel I'm getting my life on the right track. And by the way, I don't know how people in the uh, trans community, and I'd like to say trans community a third time, um, feel about the... Amazon series Transparent, but um, I'm enjoying it, and I I think it's really good. This is another very curious email I got from a woman who calls herself Trudy, and she writes, Hi, do you remember how we made love in your car? Mm, Like it was perfect. The stars, moon, sky, and the lights of the city here in Russia that does not happen again. I want you to come if you do not mind. Write me. And I'm confused because the subject line says, I want to come to you from Russia. You do not mind? It sounds like our paths are going to cross, Trudy. And that would be unfortunate. But 
I took out my my compass and my geometric uh, devices from our, the previous email from Grace, and I have calculated that your and my path will cross somewhere in Spain. But it's also possible somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. So I'm going to ask you to bring some an extra set of dry clothes in case I have to jump out of my plane and you have to jump out of your plane for us to meet somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean. Unless you want to head east and I head west, which is maybe that's a shorter route. In which case, bring dry clothes, but have it be shorts because it'll be somewhere over the South Pacific. Oh my God. Was that worth it? I don't know if that was worth it, but... I do enjoy a good spam. I just, I love the sincerity of the spam. My favorite spams are the ones that start with, hello, dear. Has anybody in the last hundred years referred to somebody as hello, dear? Uh, This is a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Elle. And she is straight in her 20s, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment. Um ever been the victim of sexual abuse some stuff happened but i don't know if it counts when i was 12 a school janitor would regularly talk to me in hushed tones and tell me i'm beautiful when no one was looking i knew it was weird but didn't know how to say no so i sort of played along um by the way parents who minimize what your children are feeling and don't really listen to them and don't nurture their independence and their voice this is one of the ripples, the potential for things like this to happen where kids are cornered by adults and they don't know how to advocate for themselves. Just my two cents. Anyway, things escalated and he started giving me hugs. At one point he kissed me on the cheek and got me to lay down with him on the floor. Nothing further happened that day, but it could have gotten worse if I didn't tell my brother. He told our mom that we were going to play baseball in the park and took me to school after hours with a bat. He threatened to beat him up in a very dramatic fashion. The janitor looked like he was going to cry and swore never to touch me again. He never even looked at me after that day. I reported him to the school the following year. After being questioned over whether or not I was lying, they fired him. Uh, always nice to, to grill a child over whether or not they're lying. Um, but I don't think it was ever reported to the police and the school never told my parents. It has been a secret between my brother and I ever since. I always blame myself for enticing him. You did not entice him. Uh, and getting him fired since he didn't technically do anything bad. Oh no, he did something bad. That, that was completely wrong what that guy was doing. And just because he didn't touch your genitals doesn't mean that that wasn't abusive. That was, um, yes. You did nothing wrong. Uh, She writes, as an adult, I understand that he was in the wrong, but when I think back and I still feel like a dirty little slut, isn't that fucking amazing, the lengths we will go to to beat ourselves up? Uh, Darkest thoughts, I have every disturbing, morbid, dark thought you could think of. It's like I'm daring my mind to go there. Child rape, murder, you name it. I envision it just because I can. I don't enjoy the twisted images, but I can't stop. It's compulsive, and I have no idea why I do it fucking celebrate it you know i do that sometimes i'll just i'll just go thank you brain thank you for that image of someone's head getting lopped off or you know jumping off of a building because uh i'm i'm a you know want to know what it feels like what whatever just in just be you know be grateful that you're 
you have a creative brain and it's not who you are. The thoughts that pop into your head are not who you are. Um, Darkest Secrets. I don't know if this counts, but it's been bothering me recently. People think I am extremely individualistic, but I really have no idea who I am. I have very few opinions, interests, or principles. Everything is just a mask. I wish I was a real person. How does a shadow live? Wow, that's a... That is a beautiful sentence. How does a shadow live? I'd uh, recommend listening to the uh, episodes, two recent episodes, one with uh, Loren Sala and, and, and an episode with um, Lauren Ashley Bishop. Those are both excellent episodes just on their own, but especially if you want to get into the uh, topic of feeling like you've been wearing a mask and not even knowing what it is that you want. Um, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I have submissive fantasies of being spanked and raped. It makes me feel dirty and ashamed. I don't know why I'm like this. Who cares? Who cares why you're like that? It's not a bad thing. And uh, find somebody that's into sharing them with you and fucking have fun. Uh, what, if anything, would you like to say to someone that you haven't been able to? I wish I could tell my grandfather who died when I was 13 that I love him. He was a mean drunk, so he was left alone as he was dying from cancer. No one consoled him. I realize now that his anger was a result of fear and sadness. I wish I could have made his passing easier by just giving him a hug and staying by his side. You know what I think as I read that is, you know what, find, find, um, find a senior citizen that you can give some affection to do something nice for you know maybe even just go into a retirement home and i don't know if you got a dog bring a dog in for the for the uh, people to to pet or you know bring an aggressive dog to kill the uh, the crabbier old people just thinking just riffing off the top of my head a nice pit bull could take down probably seven or eight seniors uh, but make sure you don't feed the dog first because uh, it's not going to be efficient. What, if anything, do you wish for? I want to stop wishing for death. I want to stop feeling worthless. I want to be loved. I want to be okay. There is nothing more. Thank you for... How do you feel after writing these things down? Incredibly sad. I don't even know why I exist. Uh, anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? I wish we could all give each other a hug. Yes, hug fest. You would get so hugged at Hugfest, I guarantee by the end of the weekend, you would not be feeling incredibly sad and you would not be questioning why you exist. We got to make fucking Hugfest happen. And for some reason in my brain, Seattle keeps popping out as the, the city that we should do the first inaugural Hugfest. Maybe we should do in LA. Why the fuck am I traveling? Why are you guys making me travel? You greedy motherfuckers. No, you come here to L.A. All right, I'll go to Seattle. You know what? We'll meet halfway, Portland. That's where we're going to do it. You jump out of your plane. I'll. You know what? Let's let the planes land. That way we don't have to bring an extra set of clothes. And uh, I'll grow my pompous barista handlebar mustache and... Uh, We'll blend in in Portland. I don't know why I'm taking down Portland. I fucking love Portland. Uh, this is an awfulsome moment filled out by... Uh, actually, Lynn emailed this to me. Uh, and she writes, because I had shared in the previous episode about feeling sad and constipated. 
And by the way, there's nothing like getting a dozen emails from people telling you about Miralax. <laughs> God bless you guys. Um, she writes, I'm being sad and constipated. This is an awful moment for you. My partner of 25 years had a heart attack 15 years ago and died in our driveway. After getting through with the hospital, I came home. I was taking a new painkiller that made me very constipated. I was on the toilet and in a terrible state. Uh, part way there, you know what she means by that, with no further action, when the coroner called and I had to answer his questions. It doesn't get worse than that, in my opinion. And I would agree. I, wow. Talking to the coroner. While you're grunting, between grunts, this is, there was actually a couple of times last week where I thought my eyes were going to shoot out of my head. I'm not kidding. I, I, I started to see stars. I share too much on this. Uh, this is a shame and secret survey filled up by a guy who calls himself Lazy Bed Star. He's my buddy already. Anything about laziness or bed, you are my pal. He's never been sexually abused. He's been emotionally abused. Uh, my father was a perfectionist rageaholic. He hated my mother's side of the family, wouldn't let me show emotion to them without some sort of shame. Um, we, he would get in a violent rage, um, punch holes in the walls, toys destroyed. He also always apologized and told us he loved us, which is true. He does to this day. He would die for us. I know it. I hate my father. I love my father. Wow, that's that's deep. Um, darkest thoughts that I want to tell my father how much a piece of shit he is, then leave him forever hoping he kills himself over how much hurt he has caused his son. The other side of me that comes out, especially when I hear a touching song, makes me want to go to my father and tell him I forgive him and love him. Man, that is that is a parental relationship in a fucking nutshell. Thank you for that, Lazy Bed Star. That feels weird sometimes calling you guys by your by your pseudonyms. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for that touching survey uh, straight up the bunghole. That was really beautiful how you, uh, how you eloquently described um, getting out of your, your childhood pain, uh, knitting needles in my eardrums. Darkest secret. Since age 18, I've had a st steady gambling problem, costing me so much through the years. I just could not stop thinking about a losing session, and once I get paid, I have to go back and chase. Pure madness. Also, since about that age, I've been copying people's personas. I would see different people, friends, celebrities, people at work. I would like something about them and try to mimic them to other people who don't know them. I'm a fraud. Never could be myself. Whoever that is. I think a lot of people feel that way. I I have had moments like that so often where I'm like, oh, I'm so boring. Who who am I even? And um, yeah, I think that's that's normal, especially when you're raised in an environment that's emotionally invalidating, because um, your instinct are are, are just uh, they're just hammered back. Anytime your instinct starts to come forward and give you a sense of self it's just beaten back by you know an abusive parents narcissism this would be a good time to uh give our sponsor some love uh, our sponsor is squarespace and they have a uh 
A new version of Squarespace, Squarespace 7, with all kinds of cool features. They've redesigned their user interface. They have an integration with Google Apps, a partnership with Getty Images. Getty Images is amazing. They have 40 million high-quality photos for your site at only 10 bucks an image. Um, Squarespace has 15 new design templates. They have cover pages. goes on and on. I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever tried to design your own website or depended on somebody who is flaky to run your website, it's a fucking pain in the ass and it gets really old and Squarespace is the answer to that. I, of course, wanted to know, is their product as good as they say it is? And it is. I went and I threw together a website of my dog pictures in less than an hour. It was super simple. It's still up. If you want to go check it out, go to paul-gilmartin.squarespace.com. That's paul-gilmartin.squarespace.com. And um, I, I loved it. It's drag and drop. It's the the templates you can use are are beautiful. Um, it it's awesome. And if you ever need their support, they have twenty four seven support via live chat or email. It's only eight bucks a month, and you get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. So uh, and if you want commerce on your website. Every website comes with a free online store. What more do you want? So start a free trial with no credit card required. Start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, uh, make sure you use the offer code MENTAL to get 10% off your first purchase and just, you know show some support for our podcast. So again, squarespace.com and use promo code MENTAL. And, um, and also go check out uh, my dog pictures. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. This next survey is, uh, it's actually an awfulsome moment filled out by a guy who calls himself Gordon Heavy Toes. I love their version of Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, he is, I'm 100 years old. He is uh, in his 30s. And he writes, late one night I called my psychiatrist. To make the call, I had to take the loaded gun away from my head and replace it with the phone. He told me, by the way, you never want to mix up your phone and your gun, because, uh, yeah, you can think you're going to get put on hold, and <laughs> I could not have executed that joke any fucking worse. Uh, he told me to go to the hospital. Um, he told me the hospital to go to, and I went. Uh, they took my shoes and belt. The next morning, I entered the common area. There, a guy with serious anger problems, he wasn't there voluntarily, was playing with a deck of cards. I had a hand injury that required physical therapy, and part of the therapy was learning card flourishes. You know, when someone does a weird shuffle or fans the deck, those are basically, those are really basic flourishes. So I started talking to Mr. Rage. He got frustrated that he was having trouble shuffling and was about to throw the deck with all his angry might. I stopped him and promised to help him learn to shuffle. Out of habit, I fanned the deck. Imagine a magician doing the pick-a-card thing the way they hold it is called a fan. He was amazed. I spent half an hour teaching him to fan cards. He was holding the deck too hard, so he couldn't do it. Eventually, I convinced him that a loose grip is better, even if it means a few cards fall. His reaction? See? That's what these moron doctors need to do. Show us a real example of how much easier things are if we aren't fighting so hard or worried about if we fuck up. I wish we had a group right now, goddammit. Oh, I wish we had group right now, goddammit. Turns out the entire group of people there, patients and workers, were watching us while I was helping him with the cars and they all burst out laughing after his outburst. He did too. 
by the way, my suicidal episode was caused by a really bad reaction to a new medication I was on. And that medication was prescribed by David Copperfield. I might have made that last part up. That was very Jimmy Pardo of me. I have a lot of very Jimmy Pardo moments in my uh, in my life. For those of you that have never listened to uh, Jimmy's one of my best friends, and uh, if you've never listened to his podcast, it's called um, Never Not Funny, and it is one of the best uh, podcasts out there. And he's and he's one of the pioneers. He started doing it in two thousand six. Anyway, just and he was a great guest on this uh, this year podcast. This is an email that I got from uh, a listener. How does he want to be referred to? Um, I think he... Mike. He wants to be referred to as Mike. And he writes, uh, Hi, Paul. I just wanted to throw something out to the listeners that might feel alone with a certain issue. For me, I've always struggled to eat around other people. As a kid, the noises made by people eating at my family table made me want to explode. I would sit there at times with my hands balled into fists, just wanting to fight or flee, neither of which was an option. My parents made fun of me and would just tell me to get over it or shut up and eat. I really can't remember back that far to address whether I was able to participate, what, uh, articulate what was bothering me or not, but no doubt I was. People making chewing noises absolutely make rage and hate well up inside of me. My mom makes the word ma- mastication sound even dirtier than it is. She must liquefy her food inside of her mouth entirely. She is always the last done with any meal because she will chew the same bite of food for minutes on end. And yes, I've timed her. It is disgusting. Not to mention, she can slurp something like chips because her manners are so bad. She sounds like a treat. Uh, Anyway, I could go on and on, but it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I stumbled upon the term misophonia, which literally translated means the hatred of sound. Just a quick look at the Wikipedia page will tell you more about it. It was such a relief to know that I wasn't alone in my intense hatred for such noises. My wife and I don't often eat together, and if we do, there has to be some noise, TV, radio, etc., I've known a few other people to find that they suffer similarly, and every one of them was absolutely floored to learn that this was a problem that other people had. I can only remember one person on an episode a long time ago that had some similar issues. I'm not sure if she ever mentioned misophonia by name, but she was a lady that dealt with Asperger's as her main uh, struggle in life. That was uh, that episode was uh, listener Louise. Uh, so if you could give a shout out to, I think it was Louise, I think that's what we called her. Uh, if you can give a shout out to misophonia, not too loudly as the noise might bother some, it might help some people to feel less alone. Thank you so much for that, Mike. I um, And I just put up a guest blog by um, oh, Ellen, who I wrote, I read something that she wrote about living with Tourette's. Uh, an episode or two ago, and she's written another guest blog for us about living with Tourette's, and I just posted it. So highly recommend you go read that. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by a guy who calls himself, he's actually a young guy. He's between 10 and 15 years old. I don't know why. That's a horrible category that I have. He's between 2 and 60. Not really sure where he is. Um, I should change that. I should do 10 to 13 and 13 to 15. Note to self. Anyway, 
his uh, depression, he writes, it's like hitting a wall that you can't climb, but everyone else can. Snapshot from his life, crying in the shower. The water's too cold. I don't know if he means that he's crying because the water's too cold or it feels that it's too cold because his depression. I'm not sure. But either way, just that image of a, a young kid crying in the shower really moved me. And I just want to send you a hug, buddy. just want to send you a hug. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Outlier. And she's uh, straight in her 40s. Um, oh, straight, but with uh, bisexual leanings. And she's in her 40s, totally chaotic environment she was raised in. Um, let's see. Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Yes, and I never reported it. My primary abuser was my mother. There was a lot of covert sexual emotional abuse, like telling me when I was 14, don't have sex with the first guy who offers just because you are fat and ugly. I don't know. That sounds pretty healthy. That sounds like some good, solid advice to me. Um, only if you're fat and ugly. Only if you're fat and ugly. Uh, I didn't realize until two years ago that there had been overt sexual abuse. When I was seven, I was a compulsive masturbator and was even doing it during school. The school called my mother and met with her, and that evening she told me, take a bath, which I thought was odd because I had been taking showers on my own at that point. She came in during the bath and, quote, washed my genitals, explaining to me that this area was only to be touched in private. She was always sending mixed messages like this and i grew up in a state of utter confusion among other things um, she was also emotionally abused my mother was a malignant narcissist i even had one therapist tell me she thought my mother crossed over into the sociopath end of the spectrum living with her was complete chaos and confusion all the while appearing normal to the outside world you have no idea how much how much i am relating to your your mom um your situation with your mom she sounds so much like so much like my mom um my sense of self-worth was tied up in my ability to be who others expected to be i was the sacrificial lamb in my family my mother envied my older sister but i represented everything she hated about herself oh wow i'm so sorry you had to deal with that any positive experiences with your abusers? There were positive experiences when I was younger and was more adoring and obedient, but they are colored by the realization that I was a source of her narcissistic feed. I don't know that I've ever experienced my genuine mother. She died a few years ago, but I don't usually share that with others. Not because it's painful, but because it's liberating. No one expects you to be glad that your mother is dead. So since I can't fake sad, I tend not to talk about it. Thank you for that honesty. And I'm glad that you don't feel shame about that because you, you shouldn't. How we feel about our feelings, we should never apologize for what we feel. You know, there's just healthy and unhealthy ways of expressing them. And sometimes when we express our feelings in an unhealthy way, that requires an apology if we hurt somebody. But um, I hope that doesn't sound too preachy. But it took me 45 fucking years to figure that out. So at the risk of sounding preachy, there you have it. Um, and she says, I would probably, I wish I could tell my sister about the sexual abuse, but she probably wouldn't believe me. And I highly recommend that you don't, because that can definitely be traumatizing. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that outlier. Um, 
This is an awfulsome moment filled out by a guy who calls himself Shepard. And he writes, I attempted to take, to take my life five years ago. While in the hospital, I was put in a chamber to keep me alive while the toxins were purged from my body. The doctors would ask me questions to see how responsive I was, and usually I was unresponsive. The first day that my family said they knew I would be okay was when the doctor asked me to do things like wiggle my finger, raise my eyebrows. I did these things, and there was a sigh of relief. I couldn't open my eyes yet, but they knew that some part of me was in there. Tension grew among the technicians and doctors when they asked me to smile. My mother and sisters were all in the room, looking through the window into the chamber. Come on, can you smile for us? My eyes were still shut, but my eyebrows narrowed and I frowned the most cartoonish frown possible. My family burst out into laughter while the doctors were confused. He might have damage to his brain that makes him misunderstand the directions, the doctor said. My sister, in tears, smiled and said, no, he's just being a pain in the ass on purpose. My family says that was the moment they knew I would really, truly be okay. That's so fantastic. That is so fantastic. Thank you for that. This is a uh, shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself pathological lying scumbag. Don't think he's hard enough on himself. I think, um, why not throw in piece of shit on there? Why you gotta be? Why do you got to be so full of yourself? This, uh, he's straight in his 30s, and uh, what kind of environment was he raised in? Pretty dysfunctional. Well, that's shocking for a guy who calls himself pathological lying scumbag. I would have imagined that he was raised in a safe and nurturing environment. Uh, he's never been sexually abused. He's been emotionally abused. Uh, father was a rage-filled person with a lot of hate for almost everyone. I was constantly being yelled at and very harshly. I remember one time in the middle of a busy restaurant, I guess I didn't hold the door for him uh, on the way out long enough or something, and he flipped his shit right there, raging in the restaurant. This is just one example, but yeah, I was raised by a psycho. My mother did nothing about it. Um, any positive experiences with your abusers? I still love my father, believe it or not. Darkest thoughts. I wish my father had been murdered back then. I love the contradictions that our souls have at the same time. It's just fucking amazing. Um, darkest secrets. I'm a pathological liar um, since the age of probably 15 or so. I would want to be in a band so I would tell people I am, even though I couldn't play an instrument. I would take recordings of someone else's local band and show others their music and say, this is my band. I even did it to my own family, even the ones I loved and respected. I will use everyone, I will use someone else's jokes and pass them off as my own. I lie to my family about how much I make. I lie when I meet women. Uh, about how many sexual partners I have. Yeah, there are, uh, some are out of shame, but the ones, especially when I was younger, about being in a band were straight up selfish. I feel like scum. I'm 35 now and have stopped lying for about seven years, but I still feel like scum. Should I kill myself? I'm not worth being here. Oh my God, you are so hard on yourself. You are so hard on yourself. You know, I I, I hope that you can see that you... Your lying was a way to process your emotions that were overwhelming and negative and painful. And it's not who you are. You haven't done it in seven years. Forgive yourself. Please forgive yourself. Uh, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Nothing special here. Um, what if What if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I hate you, Dad. You ruined my life. 
I don't tell him because we don't really talk much now. He's also older and chilled out now. He doesn't love me. I don't want to upset him now. Oh, he does love me. I don't want to upset him. What, if anything, do you wish for forgiveness or death for my line? How about forgiveness? How about that? How about you let us listeners forgive you until you can forgive yourself? Man, it's just so hard. It's so hard to watch people continue to beat themselves up about things. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by Caitlin. She's in her 20s and she writes, I unexpectedly came out to my parents as a lesbian last year while studying abroad. How do you unexpectedly come out? Um, Would you please pass the salt? I like pussy. I didn't expect for that to happen. Uh, They told me they still loved me, but they also hurt me to say the least. I fell into a deep depression and my anxiety was out of control. I ended up isolating myself and failed a class. I was looking for a fresh start after everything went terribly wrong abroad and decided to transfer to a new school for the beginning of this year. History repeated itself and my anxiety and self-loathing pushed me to move back in with my parents just before midterms. I began to use alcohol more frequently than ever and by summer I was arrested for a DUI. During my brief time in jail, I was locked in a cell with a middle-aged woman who had also been drinking and driving. She ended up telling me a bit of her life story. We talked about travel. I told her about my negative coming out experience. She was supportive and we somehow cried while also making each other laugh. I honestly have no idea what we laughed about. Maybe it was the alcohol buzz or some of our surroundings, but it was an hour or two I will never forget. She helped me survive one of the worst nights of my life. I hope I helped her as well. I'm able to type this out without having a panic attack thanks to therapy. It's the best thing I've ever done for myself, and I've made so much progress since that awfulsome summer moment. Thank you for that. That's so beautiful. Love me a good awfulsome moment. Let's see. I think my voice is starting to get tired. I might start thinning thinning these out. Let's see, what's this one? Sorry to be. Mm. Oh, this one I find, I just want to read because I, I, I've i read this sexual fantasy before. This is by a woman who calls herself Nothing Clever. And... Um, Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Um, And she's straight and she's in her 20s. Sucking on a woman's breast who is lactating and engaging sexually with really any woman with huge breasts. I think this may be due to my lack of breasts, which makes me feel less like a woman. The actual fantasy makes me feel like such a pervert, especially when I get turned on by seeing a mother breastfeeding. I feel like a perverted old man. I hate it and don't want to think about it. At the same time, I also fantasize about my ex with a pleasant penis coming all over me and in my mouth. This makes me feel more normal, but still upset that I can't move past him. Um, I think you mean, but still upset that I can't move past it. Um, Let's see. Uh, I fantasize about my ex with a pleasant penis. So he has more than one penis? I can't imagine how bad the sex is when your ex mixes it up and brings out the unpleasant penis. That has to be unpleasant. Um, your 
fantasy about the 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 breastfeeding and the big breasts is you are not alone in that. There are, I have read other surveys by women, um, straight women, who have that. So, you know, there are women who, um, there, let's just say there is a just. Accept yourself for who you are. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's kind of hot. This is, and we all also, just remember, you like pleasant penises. I just wanted to say pleasant penis. Another time. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by a guy who calls himself Ash Ketchum. And uh, he writes... Recently found my best friend from elementary school on social media. We were like cousins or brothers. We basically made up our own language and would talk in front of people who'd have no idea what we were saying. We would sign language across classrooms when teachers separated us. We defended each other when bullied and ganged up on a weaker target in order to seem powerful to the schoolyard court of law. We lost touch after that because boys can't just come out and say, I like you a lot. Let's not lose touch even if we go to completely different places. Well, the social media I found him on was a gay fuck app. A day or so after finding him and processing what all this meant, I sent him a message on the app. An hour later, I saw that he had viewed my profile, but I couldn't see his name anymore. He had blocked me from seeing his profile. <laughs> that is awfulsome. This is in a struggle in a sentence survey filled out by uh, Nicole, and uh, she writes about her anxiety. I'm constantly living in the past, obsessing over my latest mistake instead of chipping away at the future. My perfectionism grips me like a vice. I'm frozen until someone tells me I'm doing okay. About her codependency, I can only open up to my sister, but not without burdening her and pushing her away. About being a sex crime victim, took me about four years to say it out loud. I could not and did not consent. By the way, it took me about three years to be able to use the word incest to describe what happened to me. It gets easier. Um about being the victim of racial or cultural bias, I'm a checkbox on some guy's bucket list, an exotic rarity, an other in the only town I've ever called home. About her ADHD, being diagnosed with it doesn't make me feel any less stupid, lazy, or incompetent. Now it just has a name. A snapshot from her life, a therapist once asked me, do you feel lovable? I hope so, I blurted before I had a chance to break down and cry. I couldn't handle the real answer. Well, we are sending you some love. So how do you like that? This is, um, let's see. Sorry if I'm... uh, Sometimes I bite off more than I can chew, and then I have to kind of edit on the fly. Um, oh, uh, this this person asks at the end of their survey um, if I've shared my whole story, and uh, maybe they missed it. I haven't necessarily on a single episode shared my whole story. It's kind of been scattered about through several several different ones. But I, I think I'm going to do an episode at some point in the future where um, maybe a listener or a friend of mine interviews me and I can kind of have it all in one episode so somebody can, if they want to 
listen, they can they can do that. But you can also hear me on other people's podcasts telling about my life story. I was, um, although I guess it's behind a paywall, but I was a guest on WTF with Mark Marin, um, uh, Aisha Tyler. I was a guest on her podcast. Um, Allison Rosen um, was a guest on her podcast and got pretty deep uh, talking about some of that stuff. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones that I can't think of right now at this moment, and I'll kick myself after I realize, oh my God. Um, Anyway, this is Struggle in a Sentence filled out by S, and she's a teenager. And snapshot from her life, she writes, I can't handle touching public bathroom doorknobs. So sometimes when the doorknob is stuck and I'm trying to use a paper towel to open it, I panic because it won't open and I'm afraid that someone else will come out of their stall and see me being ridiculous and refusing to touch the doorknob. Um, That, what you've just described, is a very, very serious condition called common sense. And if you don't see somebody about it immediately, it's going to get worse. You will begin to be able to set boundaries with people. You will begin to uh, express your needs in ways that are succinct, and um, there's all kinds of terrible things. If you don't, if you don't get your common sense under control, I don't like your chances. I don't think I have ever opened the bathroom, the you, the doorknob from the inside without a towel, and I don't give a shit if you see me doing it. I'll look you right in the eye and say, I don't want to touch your poop because I'm going to eat. Anybody who owns a restaurant, please have the towels and the waste paper basket right by the door because that's why we lob those bad three-pointers when the waste paper basket is 10 feet away from the door because we don't want to be touching a bunch of bullshit before we go eat. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Freeze Time. And he's never been sexually abused, never been physically or emotionally abused, darkest thoughts, sexual thoughts about women. I just want to look at them, undress them, be able to experience their body without them looking at me. I'd rather be them be blindfolded so they can't look at me. I don't want to hurt them or do anything dangerous or disgusting. And he puts in parentheses, but this whole thing has disgust and shame splashed all over it. I just want to work uh, to stand still for a moment so I can explore without the pressure of having to perform. Maybe I might learn something. Maybe I might expel something. Well, yeah, you work long enough, something's going to get expelled. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Who knows? I hope to God it doesn't stoke the fire for more of the same. Um Darkest Secrets, I asked my wife a couple of years ago to do this, lie naked on a bed with an eye mask on and earphones in while I look at her and touch her all all over and then jack off. She agreed on certain conditions, no phone, no pictures, no penetration, and she gets a massage at the same time. I asked again about a year ago and she refused, telling me how creepy it was for her and how weird it is I want to do this. You know, that is really, really not cool of your wife to shame you like that. And a woman or a partner with a healthy sexual attitude would, even if they didn't want to do it again, would say, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's, it, it's just a, a, a thing with me that I'm, I'm not comfortable doing it, but I don't want you to feel shame because there's nothing wrong with you wanting to do that. And I want to encourage your, 
your fantasies? Is there another fantasy that we can explore? Um, maybe I'll come around on this. Maybe I never will, but I want to please you. And, um, and hopefully she would share a fantasy that she has that you could help engage in if you're comfortable with it. That, to me, would be a healthy way for people to connect, but not by shaming each other. Um, so don't don't feel shame about that. There's there's nothing wrong with that with that fantasy. Go watch nine and a half weeks and tell me is that should you be should those people be ashamed for what they do in there? Actually, I think they should be ashamed for spilling food in that, but that's about it. Um, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Um, well, I think he did that already. Uh, anyway. Thank you for that. This is Struggle in a Sentence filled out by a guy who calls himself Fritz to Bits. And about his depression, he writes, A stillborn baby crammed into my chest with the words, Go faster, asshole, written on its forehead. There is a fucking image. Holy shit. About his anxiety, the constant belief that everyone in my life feels sick at the thought of me and covert guilt-ridden manipulation is the only way back to zero. About his pot addiction, a deep conflicted pride in having experienced the slow erosion of sanity despite the suicidal thoughts. You know, I heard somebody share one time that hitting your bottom on weed is like getting kicked to death by a rabbit. Uh, about his love addiction, if your attraction level is above a six, I only need a millisecond of eye contact to send me in, into instant marriage fantasy. Um, about his sex addiction, waiting until the right moment when I've convinced myself I'm not using her. About being a compulsive masturbator, like a drug dealer standing outside my door making the same sales pitch every day. It's free, easy, good for your prostate, and you can take it at work. About his codependency, if only I could pry you open and make you cry, but only on my terms. Tell me your darkest secrets so you can prove to me I'm worthy of hearing them. Wow, you are really good at describing these uh, these things you struggle with. This is, um, you could turn pro. About uh, being an abuser, sexual aggression, fear that I will one day get an email from a woman saying, remember that drunk night? I do. I call that rape. That is heavy, that, and that might be a good good chance for you to look at um, at that. And uh, and if you can't, if you are having trouble contro- controlling your aggression when you're out drinking and having sex, um, maybe don't drink when you're when you're doing that, or talk to somebody about this because um, you know there. That's a serious thing. It's a serious, serious thing. And a lot of people have trouble advocating for themselves and speaking up when they're in an uncomfortable position. And you add somebody being aggressive on top of that, and you've got um, a really potential, uh, potentially bad and tra- traumatizing situation for, for that person. Um Snapshot from his life. Uh, When I was smoking pot, I had a smoking buddy I was obsessed with. He was a veteran who saw lots of combat. 
I worried constantly that he would kill me, but I still kept hanging out with him because I had completely shut out everyone else in my life at that point. One night we were sitting at a red light in his car and I told him, I don't hold any of those things you did in the war against you. The look on his face was sheer panic and confusion. I can see now that I was pushing him away when I said that, being convinced that if only I could crack his shell and get him to open up about the horrors of war, I could secure the friendship I craved. Our friendship went downhill from there, but I kept coming back. At one point in my pot-fueled paranoia, I was convinced he had tried to poison me, but that didn't stop me. Thank goodness my smoking drove me to psychosis, resulting in a hospital visit. I'm not sure anything else would have gotten me out of that unhealthy relationship. Thank you for sharing that. And um, that's, uh, yeah, pot. Man, pot can be really, if you're addicted to it and it's degrading your life, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I, I bottomed out on it. I did a little mini episode, I think is called uh, Growing Weed in Zelda, if you guys want to know. The, in fact, in particular, the person who wanted to know more about my story, that is uh, that one is very emblematic of what I was going through in my 20s. There was a time when Nintendo had just come out and I was growing uh, weed in my apartment in Chicago. It was the late 80s. And um, so listen to that mini episode. If you uh, if you want to know some more of uh, of my story, um, this is God. Is that an annoying sound? All right, I'm gonna skip this one. This is a struggle in a sentence, and this is filled out by Grace. And oh, I wonder if it's that Grace from the. Uh, the salacious email and grace about being a, a sex crime victim writes um now it's not funny that i said that uh i want to wrap myself in a blanket put myself in a coffin bury the coffin in a cave in antarctica and then hope a rock will hit planet earth and fall on top of my cave so no one can touch me again but i have a feeling my family will follow me there and keep asking so how come you're still single wow that is uh, that is heavy, and I'm sorry you had to go through that, Grace. And she says that she can't wait to hear the new intro for uh, for this year. Well, I hope you like I hope you liked the uh, the new intro, Grace. And I'm so sorry that you had to to go through that, and your family um, doesn't understand your your pain, but we do. We definitely do. This is an email that I got from uh, Mark, who's written a guest blog for us, and he just had two questions, and he he writes, uh, how the fuck have you managed to produce a podcast every week for so long when you have depression and so many of the related problems that get in the way of a productive life? Have you ever felt that you can't do it anymore? No, I've never felt that I can't do it anymore. There's been weeks where I felt a little slightly overwhelmed by it, but this podcast feeds me rather than drains me. So um, that's why. It's, it's, and mostly it's because of the feedback, excuse me, that I get from you guys. Um, I'll read a survey that will make me feel less alone. I'll get an email from you. I'll interview a guest that, you know, then I become friends with. Um, it's, it's, the list goes on and on. Uh, I get, and I say it all the time, and it's not bullshit. I get so much from this, from doing this this podcast. 
Um, and then the second question he has is, although you often mention being sober, I've never heard you talk about how much alcohol you actually consumed or what specific problems it caused and what drove you to eventually quit. The sadness and the suicidal thoughts were what eventually drove me to, to quit. I knew that I was going to kill myself if I didn't quit drinking. And the amount that I drank varied anywhere from two to three drinks and a couple of hits of weed um, at night to um, 10 to 12 pints of beer. And, you know, if you had drugs, you had Coke, I'd do it. If you had mushrooms, I'd do it, you know, what, whatever. So, um, but it was really an internal thing that, that brought me to my knees. It was knowing I was going to kill myself. I was so sad and depressed. Um, but I hadn't lost my job. I hadn't lost my wife or the house or a lot of things that people who bottom out from drugs and alcohol, that hadn't happened to me yet. And I didn't even drink during the day, but I am absolutely uh, an alcoholic and a drug addict. And thank God I've been sober now for uh, uh, 11 and a half years, which is a fucking miracle. And I can tell you this much, this podcast would not be possible without um, my support group. Actually, both of my support groups. Um, and therapy, and my friends, and reading books, and tap dancing. This is a. We're in the home stretch. We're in the home stretch. Got two more surveys, and then that um, that touching letter that uh, Leela left, and then another survey. And this is from Drea. This is a shame and secret survey. And she is straight in her 20s, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment. Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Uh, At the times in question, I was on some sort of drug, so I don't really remember everything. I think I was taken advantage of, but I wouldn't call it rape or abuse. But it's my fault for putting myself in that situation. So I never said anything to anyone. It's not your fault for putting yourself in a situation. Nobody, it, it is not a free pass because somebody is passed out or they're in a bad neighborhood or they went home with somebody who is dangerous that they didn't realize was dangerous. Even if, even if your, your, your little spidey sense went, oh, this person seems kind of dangerous. Maybe I shouldn't go home with them. And then you go home with them and something bad happens. It's still not your fucking fault. It's still not your fucking fault. She's been emotionally abused. My ex-boyfriend was horrible to me. He was controlling, would call me names and scream at me for nothing. He was an alcoholic and a drug addict. He'd slap me sometimes, but I never really considered him physically abusive. He was absolutely emotionally abusive, though. He would tell me that no one else would ever love me except for him. By the way, if anyone ever says that to you, run. Don't walk. Run. That person is... At that point, I'm sure they've been trying to isolate you from your friends. And they probably, in the beginning, that person was the most charming, um, considerate, lavishing attention on you, and you saw fireworks with this person. That is a pattern that we see over and over and over again, is the romantic wooing period where they are just, it's too good to be true. And then they begin to isolate you from your friends. Then they begin to work on your insecurities. And then that's how they control you. 
And that's what they were after right out of the gate. Even if they don't know it themselves, that's what they are after is that they want to control and dominate and humiliate. And um, and the, the phrase you always, always hear those people say is nobody will ever love you. And then they'll throw all the things that they've picked at you about in your face as if they're the truth. And the truth is, is they hate them fucking selves and they're just projecting it on you. Um, let's see, any positive experiences with the abusers? Yes, we did have a few positive experiences. Yes, when we first got together, he was very nice and sweet and loving. Then after maybe two or three months, he started becoming very controlling. I swear to God, I hadn't read this survey in a while. And um, I was not just doing that to make myself uh, look all smarty pants. Uh, after two or three months, uh, he started becoming very controlling, but he was my first everything, sexual experience, boyfriend, first love. So I really thought I was in love with him, and so I stayed. Darkest secrets. I think about using pills again a lot. I'll be a year clean uh, on October 3rd, and I think about dying. I don't think I would ever kill myself, but I think about it a lot. Get out of this relationship. Get out of it, because it will drag you down, and will you will use again. Um, darkest secrets. You will use again if you stay with this guy because the pain will get to be too much. And you might be a sex and love addict as well. If you can't leave somebody that's abusive to you, get into a support group. You know, read a book, uh, Facing Love Addiction by Pia Melody. Darkest Secrets. I stole and pawned my mother's wedding band for drugs with the boyfriend I mentioned above, then lied about it when questioned. She still doesn't know it was me who took it. I ache for the affection of my father. We were best buddies when I was a kid, but now he hardly talks to me. We live in the same house, but we aren't close at all. I feel like he doesn't love me or wishes that I wasn't around. I blame myself for my parents' issues with their marriage. Part of me knows that it's not really my fault, but the other part is screaming, I'm so sorry at them all the time. Ah, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I like it really rough. I don't know how else to say it. I like to be hit, degraded, spit on, choked, anything that makes me feel like a whore. I like BDSM. I like to be tied up. Those things are the most powerful. When I have sex, I feel myself craving more roughness. I want to tell the person to hit me, but I'm afraid it will freak them out. It makes me feel weird and unsatisfied. And by the way, that sexual desire is not related at all to um, the way that that your boyfriend is treating you non-sexually that is that in no way does mean does it mean that you deserve that because those are two separate things two completely separate things one is fantasy and the other is reality and one is acceptable and the other is not um what if anything you would like to say to someone you haven't been able to i would like to tell my father how much i love him and how much i crave his attention i know it would only push him further away if i were to say these things though that's heartbreaking that is heartbreaking that you can't tell him that. You know, I wonder if there's a a male figure. Let's see, how old are you in your 20s? I wonder if there's an older male figure. You know, maybe somebody in, in uh, if you're going to a support group for your uh, drug addiction, I wonder if there's a an older man who's safe that doesn't have sexual interest in you that, that you could befriend and get get that older male role model you know I, the friendships i have with with women in my life particularly ones who are older than me mean so much to me um because they while they can't replace what i 
wished I would have gotten from my mom. There's a loving maternal energy there that is um, just fucking awesome and really soothing. And uh, I think you could use some soothing. This... Oh, I want to read another uh, another awfulsome moment. And this is just a short one. And this is from a Reddit thread called The Most Fucked Up Shit That You've Seen uh, at a Funeral. And this was uh, filled out by a guy who calls himself Run to the River. And he writes, My grandfather was an identical twin. When Gramps and our family walked into his brother's funeral, it became very, very clear very quickly that not all of the friends of the deceased knew this. I strongly remember one man staring at my grandfather, then the coffin, and then back to my other grandfather, then back to the coffin, just to make sure. <laughs> that is fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, let's see. Now, this one, this, this is from a woman who calls herself nobody. Um, she was the victim of sexual abuse. She's in her 20s, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Um, repeatedly raped as a child by her next-door neighbor until my younger sister told my mother. Then at 22, I fell in with a bad crowd and was raped at gunpoint by a Hells Angel associate. Um, any positive experiences with your abusers? No. She's also been physically and emotionally abused. Darkest thoughts hurting people constantly. Um darkest secrets i hid a career as a sex worker and a 14-year heroin addiction from basically everybody who knew me sexual fantasies violent sexual fantasies are the most powerful to me not sexual violent violence but physical violence and blood combined with sex what if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to i'd like to tell people that just because i'm an ex-sex worker slash drug addict that doesn't make me a bad person what, if anything, do you wish for? Honestly, I wish I had enough money to sustain a heroin addiction without worrying about money. You know what's funny is I think about that sometimes, and I've never even done heroin. But like my two go-tos when I when I get depressed are to think, well, suicide's, you know, always an option. Uh, or, which is, as I've shared on last week's episode, is really kind of off the table now. And... Thankfully, not something I've been thinking about lately. Um, but the other thing I think about is, well, I'll just liquidate my assets and uh, go to Seattle, get a hotel room, and just drink coffee and do heroin. Just alternating between the two. Get a little too knotted out, get a cappuccino. A little too buzzed on the cappuccino, you know? Shoot a little heroin and just do it until my money runs out. And then kill myself. That would make an awesome Christmas card. A little too long, though. Um, so I totally get that. Uh, have you shared these things with others? One person. She's the love of my life and knows everything about me. She knows more than my therapist. How do you feel after writing these things down? Calm yet edgy. It's hard to explain. Thank you for that. This is the um, goodbye note that Leela... Alcorn left. Leela was uh, born into a male body and known as Josh Alcorn for most of her life. And um, this is the note that uh, that Leela left. 
If you are reading this, it means that I have committed suicide and obviously failed to delete this post from my queue. She posted it on uh, Tumblr. Please don't be sad. It's for the better. The life I would have lived isn't worth living in because I'm transgender. I could go into detail explaining why I feel that way, but this note is probably going to be lengthy enough as it is. To put it simply, I feel like a girl trapped in a boy's body, and I've felt that way ever since I was four. I never knew there was a word for that feeling, nor was it possible for a boy to become a girl, so I never told anyone, and I just continued to do traditionally, quote, boyish things to try to fit in. When I was 14, I learned what transgender meant and cried from happiness. After 10 years of confusion, I finally understood who I was. I immediately told my mom, and she reacted extremely negatively, telling me that it was a phase, that I would never truly be a girl, that God doesn't make mistakes, that I am wrong. If you are reading this, parents, please don't tell this to your kids. Even if you are Christian or are against transgendered people, don't ever say that to someone, especially your kid. That won't do anything but make them hate themselves. That's exactly what it did to me. My mom started taking me to a therapist, but would only take me to Christian therapists, who were all very biased. So I never actually got the therapy I needed to cure me of my depression. Oh, to cure me of my depression. I thought she was going to say to, quote, cure me of my transgender. Um, I only got more Christians telling me that I was selfish and wrong and that I should look to God for help. When I was 16, I realized that my parents would never come around and that I would have to wait until I was 18 to start any sort of transitioning treatment, which absolutely broke my heart. The longer you wait, the harder it is to transition. I felt hopeless that I was just going to look like a man in drag for the rest of my life. And the reason for, for that, by the way, as a side note, is because once uh, the body passes through puberty, um, the, it physically develops in ways that are irreversible, like an Adam's apple and um, musculature and th things like that. Um, on my, Although I think they can do stuff with Adam's apples. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, on my 16th birthday, when I didn't receive consent from my parents to start transitioning, I cried myself to sleep. Um, they felt like I was attacking their image and that I was an embarrassment to them. They wanted me to be their perfect little straight Christian boy, and that's obviously not what I wanted. By the way, I'm I'm uh, not reading the entirety of uh, her letter, but most of it. After a summer of having almost no friends, plus the weight of having to think about college, save money for moving out, keep my grades up, go to church each week and feel like shit because everyone there is against everything I live for, I've decided I've had enough. I'm never going to transition successfully, even when I move out. I'm never going to be happy with the way I look or sound. I'm never going to have enough friends to satisfy me. I'm never going to have enough love to satisfy me. I'm never going to find a man who loves me. I'm never going to be happy. Either I live the rest of my life as a lonely man who wishes he were a woman, or I live my life as a lonelier woman who hates herself. There's no winning. There's no way out. I'm sad enough already. I don't need my life to get any worse. People say it gets better, but that isn't true in my case. It get, gets worse. Each day, I get worse. And I just want to interrupt at this, at this point and say any person out there who feels like she is telling the truth at this point um, about it's never going to this, it's never going to that, that's the darkness talking. That And that doesn't mean that she didn't have a 
tough, tough road ahead of her if she'd stayed alive and wouldn't be disappointed. But that is that is the, the, the darkness um, talking. All right, continuing. Um, that's the gist of it. That's why I feel like killing myself. Sorry if that's not a good enough reason for you. It's good enough for me. As for my will, I want 100% of my things that I legally own to be sold in the, and the money plus my money in the bank to be given to trans civil rights movements movements and support groups. I don't give a shit which one. The only way I will rest in peace is if one day transgender people aren't treated the way I was. They're treated like humans with valid feelings and human rights. Gender needs to be taught about in schools. The earlier the better. My death needs to mean something. My death needs to be counted in the number of transgender people who commit suicide this year. I want someone to look at that number and say that's fucked up and fix it. Fix society. Please. Goodbye. Leela slash Josh Alcorn. Well, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. Um, it's just so sad. It's just so sad and it's so moving and it's so articulate and it's such a waste. It's such a fucking waste. And you know, a lot of people, her, her parents apparently, the way that Leela killed herself was she walked in front of a semi-truck and her parents posted that she had accidentally been hit by a semi-truck. Actually, her parents posted that he had actually been accidentally been hit by a semi-truck. And as you can imagine, a lot of outraged people posted negatively on that Facebook page and are threatening her parents and understandably very, very angry. And I felt the same way at first. I wanted to go post on it and say, you fucking ignorant hypocrite you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you mean-spirited motherfuckers. And then I realized her parents were probably raised in a time and place where you can't blame them for buying into those lies, that they're ignorant. Her parents are ignorant, and society's ignorance is to blame for this. If you have a friend who is transgender or somebody you know who is transgender or whose gender you don't understand, there are things that you can do to let them know that you're on their side. You can ask them, is there a pronoun that you prefer? Um, Some transgender people prefer to be referred to as they, often people whose gender is fluid uh, because he or she um, or him or her doesn't feel true to them, so they feels more uh, more fitting. Um, you can ask them if there's any way that you can support them. You can tell them that you love them. Um, you can be patient with them because it's a process for many people. It's it's not just suddenly 
for everybody a light goes on and you suddenly realize exactly who you are you know there they may swing back and forth trying to find their identity be patient with them in that process don't accuse them of doing it for attention or um there are so many other things that that i can't think of here but love is one place where you can never go wrong never go wrong and stick up for them you know you can help them when you see somebody make a tranny joke or uh, you know some other hurtful thing that degrades who they are say something to the person that makes that joke and let let them know that that that's not acceptable to you and that there's real damage to them being marginalized like that and that jokes like that do have an effect and they do lead to suicides and um, if you're an educator you can help by trying to get something put in sex education or biology books if you're a legislator there are things that you can do you know, I would like to outlaw legislation, or I would like to outlaw, and I think this is true in California, I think they just did it, um, the therapies, you know, the quote-unquote Christian therapies where they cure your gayness. Um, if you're a legislator in a state that is ignorant about this, work to ban that, work to make that illegal. Because it's going to take all of these things on all of these fronts for there not to be another Leela. And Leela, wherever you are, I hope I hope you're you're in a place where people are calling you she, and you have a closet full of dresses, and you look beautiful, and you're prom queen. Nobody questions you. And you're who you were born to be. Because what happened to you fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. Well, I sure as fuck can't end on that moment. God damn it, I wish I could have met her and given her a fucking hug and just held her. I wish somebody could have. Do that for your friend. Just fucking hold them. Just say, I love you exactly as you are. We're going to get through this together. I'm going to be here for you. All right. Let's read an awfulsome moment. This is filled out by a woman who calls herself, I knew I was crazy. And her awfulsome moment, she writes... 
my daughter was in a Christmas parade last week. I'm sorry. My daughter was in a Christmas parade last week. I've been looking forward to it for weeks. I daydreamed about sitting in chairs with my oldest daughter all bundled up in warm clothes and having bonding time while we waited for my youngest to dance by us in the parade and then we would jump up and cheer her and cheer her and the group on. I couldn't wait for the whole parade of lights and being part of the community. I pre-planned the logistics of getting there early to get a comfortable spot on the route and give us time to walk around a little enjoying the shops. On the day of the parade, I dropped off my oldest daughter with chairs as planned, but that was the only thing that went as I had daydreamed about. Uh, When I picked up my youngest daughter to take her to the staging area for the parade, her teacher had no idea how to get there or where to meet after the parade. I had to navigate through 90 minutes of traffic and road closures until I got close enough to walk the rest of the way. I am overweight and in terrible shape. I had to walk literally a little over a mile to get her to the right staging area and then back a mile to, a mile back to my car. By this time, there was only 30 minutes before the start of the parade and I still had to find a fucking parking spot. Again, I had to park two miles away from the parade route. I was stressed that I would miss the parade and was walking as quick as I could. At one point, I had to walk across the freeway overpass. I was barely halfway across when I started getting vertigo and one of my wonderful panic attacks hit me. I honestly thought I was going to pass out and get hit by a car and the only thing that got me through it was not wanting my kids to see my fat ass laid out on the street. By the time I got to the chairs, my oldest daughter had been waiting for me for three hours and I was physically depleted. The crowd was much larger than I expected, and so my anxiety level was at its peak. Then I get a text that we had to pick up my daughter at the end of the parade route, which was two miles from our chairs. My car was parked the opposite direction. There was no way I could walk to my car and then pick up my daughter after the parade because of roadblocks and traffic, which meant I had to walk to pick her up, and from that point it would be a four-mile walk back to the car, which included another walk across the overpass. So, as the parade passed us, I sat there crying and feeling trapped. I was trying so fucking hard to be excited about the parade that I built up this unrealistic fantasy that didn't include my social anxiety, my poor health, and panic attacks. Merry fucking Christmas. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. And you know why I wanted to end with that? Because you are a fucking awesome mom. You, if Leela had had a mom like you, Leela would be here today. And it doesn't matter that you're out of shape and that you didn't get to the parade on time. You know all of that stuff. That's what matters is that you fucking love your kids and you're fantasizing about an awesome parade. And I fucking hate parades. I hate parades. Parades and musicals. Fuck both of them. But you made me love a parade right there. So thank you guys. I I hope uh I hope you uh enjoyed this episode. Let's let's hope we all have a good twenty fifteen and let's seriously consider getting Hugfest together. Um if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, or somebody you know is feeling stuck, remind them that they're not alone. Go talk to somebody. Say that you're feeling alone. Get out of your comfort zone because you are not alone and there is help if you're willing to ask for it. And um, 
Thank you so much for listening. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.